We're in uh, Acts, working our way through. We're going to be in the second chapter of Acts this evening. I thank everybody for coming and uh, for who's ever online. Well, this is, this is uh, one of the more difficult ones for me. I, uh, you know, it seems like I live most of my life in opposition uh, to what was right and God, and and I and I and I don't know why He He chose me to. I don't know why He chose me before the foundation of the world to stand before Him, holeless and blameless, holeless and blameless before an all righteous God. I don't know why. Uh, I deserve the wrath of God, just like. Uh, each and every one of you. There's no one out there. We all fall short of the glory of God. I, I'm very thankful for God that I believe is uh, given me a mind to know without confusion. Has given me clarity. Uh, but there's still that human nature of us. Like I said, I, I spent the, probably the first half of my life uh, doing things in opposition to God and people were telling me that them things were wrong and and I would confront them and, and first I would uh, try to hide it and lie it and conceive it and make a lie and then it became, the lie took me away and it, then, I, then I had to then lie to myself to continue that type of behavior. And along that way, very difficult for for me to have conflict. I, I don't like conflict. I don't want to have conflict. And how should I handle conflict? Maybe that's the worst part, is, is how I've always handled it throughout my life. And it's very, been very difficult for me. Well, here I find me in the second part of my life. I find myself hungering and thirsting for God's word. I, I, I hunger and thirst for us to be of like minds, to have the mind of Christ, to be of like minds. And uh, so many that proclaim the faith seems to be we're in opposition. Seems to be that we're in opposition to people who proclaim to be Christians. Seems to be in opposition to the mission field that are uh, warring against God. Seems to be a lot of opposition. I find my peace and comfort in God's word. As I prepared for this message, I, I, I retreated into God's word. I had to ask my question most of all, because here we're looking in Acts, the book of Acts. Peter, at the time of Pentecost, being, being filled with the Spirit, one of the most, probably one of the most exciting times throughout the world history, the transition from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant to the New One, our Lord and Savior had manifested Himself in the form of His creation. He lived. He lived a sinless life. He performed miracles. He gathered up a handful of men, 12 fishermen from the Sea of Galilee. Not the highest educated men, but just working men, just average Joes. Showed these miracles to prove it was all prophecy from the Old Testament. Everything that proclaimed that the Messiah was going to come is now coming to a culminating point. And it's all getting pulled together at this point in time in history. 
And I, and I say, well, what, what is the purpose? What, what is the plan? What are the, it, it, at Pentecost here, the, the filling of the, the Spirit, all that's taking place, what was the God? And it came down to, it, it comes down to God chooses us, not because of our righteousness, not because of our strength, not because we've done anything, but He chooses who He chooses He chose Israel because he decided to choose Israel to be Israel. He decided for them to be a nation unto their own, to be a representative for God, to be a light. And these people continue with their stubbornness. Stubborn people. Are we not stubborn people too? And just like the Old Testament... And just like the New Testament, we're still his chosen people are still stubborn. They were set apart in the Old Testament, and they were stubborn people. And in the New Testament, they're set apart, they're chosen, and they're stubborn people. And then you have this fallen world around them, around us, beloved. And I had to ask myself, what was the purpose? What was the plan? And I retreated, retreated to Deuteronomy. And I, I spent, I spent my, all my time in Deuteronomy looking for the answers. What, what I come up with is God chose these people. And it's the Exodus and the first three books of the Bible combined in Deuteronomy, kind of a recap of it, and I'm, and I'm reading it, and it's telling me certain things. And, uh, and I, as I'm reading it, I'm finding the similarities of then and now, and I don't see, I, I don't see any difference. And I don't see any difference in God and His Word and what He wants and what He expects. I don't see any different in the sovereignty of God. I, I see his redemptive plan being fulfilled. I see a sustaining Holy Spirit that continues to sustain and up, up, upholds us, each and every one of us, whether we're in Christ or not, or the world on an axis. These people that went to, went to Egypt, that Moses freed that God freed from Egypt through Moses, led them in a desert, through the desert, parted the Red Sea. All these miracles he performed, he took them out of this, this land of captivity. They grew to be a great nation. They went in as 70, and they left there as a great and powerful nation, as God's chosen people to be the light of the world. Moses leads them out to bring him to the land of milk and honey, to a land that God had promised his people. He parts the Red Sea. He defeats Pharaoh. He raised Pharaoh up to defeat him, to show the glory of God. The waves crushed his armies behind him. They get to the point where they're going to go into the land of milk and honey. And they're sent up to, to do a reconnaissance mission. And God's commanding them to go in and take the land, their land. And they say to each other, Has God brought us out of Egypt to bring us to our demise? 
Is that what God has done to us? After all everything that God's done for them, question why God has chosen us and, and they're sitting there and, and, and then they go back and, and then Moses, and then God says, for that reason, for, their, for, that, for them not believing and trusting in God to go back to the Red Sea. Turn around and go back, he says. Go back to the Red Sea. And uh, then the army says, here's what they say. They say, oh, come on, we're, we're going to go take them. We're gonna, they're going to decide, we're going to go fight this battle now. And God's hand was not upon them. God's hand was not upon his chosen people. They went into battle and they got whipped. They come running out of there with their tails in between their legs because there again, they didn't listen to God's simple command. Then they, they wandered in the desert for the next 40 years, 39 years, wandering in the desert for, for the generations of those who did not believe in God when God told them to go and take that land, and, and they, they distrusted God, the fact that they were going to be defeated. There were seven nations. They were twice their side. They were bigger. They were stronger. And, and God says, he chose them, not because of their righteousness, not because they were stronger, but because these people were wicked. And God says, I will go before you and defeat your enemies. They didn't believe. They didn't have that faith and trust. So God says, now, this generation of the warriors will die off. They will all die off. For uh, Jacob and another one. But they'll, they'll be able to continue in. And then Moses says, they wandered around. Until this day, God did not give them a, a heart to know, eyes to see, ears to hear. But to this day, he did. And Moses says, God... I want to go to the promised land. I want to see your richness, your glory, all your... And God says, no, no, Moses, you're not going to go. But that's okay. Joshua's going to go. Give these instructions to my people. Very clear instruction. And uh, so they did. And uh, they were faced. They had fear. And... And it was interesting, as their travels to go take their land, they went through the land of Esau. And God says, don't, don't go to battle with Esau. Their land, I promised to Esau, that's their land, just pass through it. They went through the land of Lot, stay straight on your path. Buy your food, buy your rations. I promised that land to them. This is your land over here. Now, What's hard, lots of times, lots of pastors like to stay away from the book of Deuteronomy because they can't explain how God's wrath comes and pours out on people, so they want to try to make excuses. And I, I think this is just some fundamentals. Last week, we went over some fundamentals of our belief, which gives me that I don't have confusion. I understand that it's Scripture alone, it's faith alone, it's grace alone, it's Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And here I understand that we all deserve the wrath of God because of the fall of man and the fall of Adam. We all de deserve God's wrath. We all deserve it. God chooses whom he chooses. He decides 
who he's going to put in charge. He decides that. He told them to go through the land of Esau. He loved Jacob and hated Esau. Lot was rebellious and disobedient, but they had their land, and they told him to walk through it. I, I don't know, but I know he's God. He's sovereign. He chooses what to do when he does. Then he says, go to this land, and he tells these people to go in there and take your land. And what does he say to them? In Deuteronomy uh, chapter 18, it says to them, he says, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. Anyone who practices denivation, I've tried to pronounce that word all week and uh, I fell short, or tell fortunes, or interprets, ohms, or a sorcery, or charmer, or medium, or a newcomer, which means wizard or magician, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispose, listen to the... They, they listen to fortune tellers and diviners. But as far as for you... The Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. And here's the consequences for this, this people for doing this. He's telling them. The, the consequences. He tells them. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word... Listen to this now. Listen, listen to the consequence of these people. The people that the divinity, the, the, and I can't pronounce that word, but they try to communicate with the deity for the purpose of determining the deity's knowledge, knowledge resulting in clarification of a decision or a discernment of the future. The art or practice that seeks to foresee or foretell fortune events or discover hidden knowledge, usually by the interpretation of alms or by the aid of supernatural powers. This is what these people were doing, and this is an abomination to God. The other word I struggle with, they were wizards and magicians. They were burning their babies and sacrificing, throwing them to the fire. What's so different than, than today murdering a baby in the womb and... Uh, for your convenience. Is there any difference in that for your God of self? Is there any difference in the, all the fortune tellers that goes on in this world today? All the wizards and the magicians and people that have knowledge and more knowledge and further knowledge? And then how, they, how then it, it gets incorporated in our Christian faith, so-called Christians. Is God a God of confusion? Or is he a God of clarity? Does God confuse us? Well, it tells us in 1 Corinthians, it tells us in a verse that says, For God is not a God of confusion, 
but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. But then I find also that God also confuses. He confuses those in Deuteronomy 7.23, but the Lord your God will give them over to you and throw them into a great confusion until they are destroyed. We begin to reject God's word and do these things, these abominations. He will throw you into a state of confusion and allow us to be taken over or a nation that is going against his will. So as we, as we read the scriptures about this miracle, I feel that when we get into this point here, that this scripture is very mishandled. Uh, and why do I say that? Well, because it takes the focus off on what it's what's what's supposed to be the focus is supposed to be on. What's that focus supposed to be on, John? What's well, the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant? It's the transition where all prophecy has been fulfilled about the Messiah who has come. He lived his life. Peter, the apostles. Peter now starts quoting Old Testament. He becomes like an Old Testament scholar stating the fact that these things that are taking place are going on, that's prophecy that's being fulfilled at that present time. And then we can also say as far as the the Spirit in the last days being poured out, it's still being poured out. But then we find, but then we find, and and this is the part that that troubles me the most, is because I don't like being in opposition and uh, my, my dad told me he could talk in tongues, you know. And what, what is that, talking in tongues? What is the meaning of that? Is it something that uh, they, I couldn't understand him when he talked in tongues. Uh, I, he couldn't understand it either. And he said, but God knew what it was. And is, is this God a God of confusion? Is this where we go to? We go to uh, Acts chapter 2, and then we're going to go right to Pentecost about the Holy Spirit and all this excitement? Or is our lives so boring that we need to add this excitement into our lives? Just the, the knowledge alone that your God has chosen you, not because of your righteousness, not because of anything else that you've ever done. He's chosen you over another group of people to stand holy and blameless before Him. He's coming in a force. For, he come into his form of his creation and manifested himself in being and lived a sinless life. He took on the punishment of the world for all the sins and crime because we have such a holy and just God that someone had to pay a price for that crime. He promises us the Holy Spirit that's going to come and fill us and be able to lead us and guide us throughout our lives and that we are going to be stand as a redeemed people. And that's not enough for us. We, we want to use him as a magician. We want to use him as a magic act. We want to use him to fill our bank accounts. It's an abomination to the Lord. That's what he says. It's an abomination. If it's being misrepresented or misused, it's an abomination to the Lord. That's what he says. When I see these people on TV, they're saying, send me your money and we're going to do these miracles and we're going to heal these people. I got an idea. 
Why don't they heal that last baby that was just aborted in the clinic that got his head chopped up and thrown in the garbage? Heal that baby. When Jesus did miracles, he did 100% healing. He made a man that was lame for his whole life for 40 years to stand up and walk with all muscle tone. He made the dead to rise again. He made the blind to see. That is a healing miracle. If you have this miracle power, you proclaim to have this miracle power, then go into the hospital and show me. Show me your power. Show me your miracle. Don't just do it to ring up your bank account or to give you some kind of excitement to mislead people. You know what they said for the prophets? If you were to do that, how do you know if someone can prophesy? How do you know if someone's a prophet? Well, it's very easy. They can't predict the future. And guess what? If you can't predict the future and you say, thus says the Lord... And it doesn't happen. In Deuteronomy, they take you out to the edge of the town and they stone you to death. Because you're not a prophet of the Lord. You're misleading him. How should we handle scripture? With fear and reverence and awe. Uh, what, what does God want us to do? He, wa he wants us to keep them and do them. His, his statutes, his commands. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that, that has a God so near to it as the Lord your God is to us? Whenever we call on Him, and what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Wow! Do you understand that? What wisdom and understanding that even in God's judgment and wrath, He's so beautiful and so great. Do you know that the United States at one time was, if they said, oh, oh, there's supposed to be a separation between church and state? Well, I don't know. You better start reading the Constitution of South Carolina and other original constitutions. They say only a Protestant shall hold the office of the Senate. Only a Protestant shall hold the office of the governor. Only a Protestant shall hold the House of Representatives. Clear definition. Because you have no moral being without a clear knowledge of what it is. And they, the, the Puritans tried to implement this in this country. And that's how this country was founded upon. And all the other nations, and God gave us to rule. God will give you to rule over other nations to take out evildoers. Well, what are evildoers, John? Well, people that murder and kill and, and all these things. That other nations will look upon you as a nation and say, your God is so awesome. At any time you can call on your God and He comes to you. And I, and I beg you, beloved pastors, people that are in the Word that believe there's clarity, has the Lord to pray today. Say, God, I pray. I ask for forgiveness to sins of this nation. I ask for forgiveness for our idolatry behavior. I, I ask for forgiveness for all the murders we've committed with 
with babies. I ask for forgiveness for every law that we've broken in this country. I ask, Father, in Jesus' name I ask, and I ask that you change the hearts and minds of the people that are in office today. And I ask that you proclaim that every believer that's filled with the Spirit will proclaim the truth of His words. You want to know what was going on at Pentecost? They were speaking the truth of God's Word. They were not speaking babble. They were proclaiming the truth. They were professing the Old Testament in the languages of their own language. You had people from four different groups there. uh, Four different languages at that time. You had the Aramaic, the Greek, the Latin, the Parthian people. Then there was the Hebrew. You had four different languages. And at the culmination point, when the Spirit came upon these people, what an awesome time that had to be. Could you imagine the Spirit of God pouring down on it? Could you imagine that when Jesus was resurrected, that the curtain went rant and just split in two? Their dead people were coming out of the graves, walking through the city. There was darkness from 12 till 3 o'clock. There was a blood moon. All these things that Joel prophesied is coming true. And what is going on? You have these people speaking God's word that the Jewish peoples were supposed to be the light of the world and proclaim the truth of God's word to all of those around them and what did they do they did not do that they fell short of that and so now you have all these people that's never heard God's word before and they begin to proclaim God's word prophesying God's word the old testament speaking his word as the holy spirit filled them it was a, a rush. It, I, I couldn't even imagine something so powerful like this, a miracle of God, just like the beginning of creation, uh, when God formed everything in six days. I couldn't explain to you if I was there. I can't explain to you or put it in writing what it would be like for the Holy Spirit to come upon uh, 3,150 to fill them at once and then all of a sudden they begin to be speaking God's word, prophesy God's word. And whether they, whether they were speaking the word or the people that were listening were able to hear it in their own language, I don't want to argue that fact. My God is not a God of confusion. See, he is going to, he is going to, to speak the truth. It was crystal clear. It was as clear as day. What was confusing was to hear four different languages of the same thing. Maybe, maybe that was a little rough on the ears. But this is what's taking place here. And what, an, what, what an awesome, awesome, how, how awesome is that? Uh, I don't have to go to the Bible verses to tell you about the curtain going rant, the people coming out, the saints coming out of their grave, uh, being dark from 12 till 3 o'clock, the blood moon. It's all in Scripture because the soul of Scripture, we believe in Scripture alone. Scripture has to back up Scripture. We just have to have foundational beliefs, our core beliefs. We have to accept the fact that every single one of us is a sinner and deserves the wrath of God. It's not why he does this or does that. Why didn't he do it to me? Why didn't he do it to you, beloved? He chose you to stand before him holy and blameless. He chose you to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. We're not supposed to put a basket over top of it. We're supposed to proclaim the truth just as in the Old Testament, as it's in the New Testament. We should be going out and about proclaiming the truth of God's word. It says that he... He, got, he put all things in subjection underneath Jesus' feet at this time. 
David said later in the book of Acts, it says, when, when they, oh, more Old Testament, here's Peter prophesies in the, the Old Testament. Verse 34, he says, The Lord said to my Lord, this is David, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies as a footstool for your feet. See? Prophesizing. David, prophetic. It's coming true right now today. When Jesus died and was resurrected and came, he sits at the right hand of God and he puts as a footstool everybody underneath him. All rule and authority on heaven and earth has been given to our Savior. He goes there for now and begin to proclaim it. This was an exciting time. They, they were not speaking Babel. Matter of fact, the, the, some of the denominations early on thought that they could speak in languages. And they sent, they sent their missionaries out overseas. They sent them to China or someplace. And they went there and they come back. And you know why they come back? Because they couldn't understand them. <laughs> so then they had to turn, uh, change their interpretation of that. And so I was looking, though, I, I know we're going to have to run the first Corinthians. I, I, I understand that. And, and what does is, what is Paul say about that in first Corinthians? Uh, what does he say? Is this a God of confusion at this point of Pentecost? Was it just mass confusion and no one understood? Or is he a God of confusion? Chapter 14. I believe the same thing that goes on in the, right now in the world today. People that are saying that they, they speak in tongues and do these things. I, I, I believe it was the same thing going on at that time. Because imagine, imagine people speaking their own language and hearing it for God's word. Just imagine the spirit of God for his word. There was no language. The, the, let's put it this way. The language barrier was broken. Remember the Tower of Babel? God says, we're going to confuse you because he says, go and multiply about the world. And they build this tower to God and God separated them because of tongues, languages. God did that, did that for a distinct reason. Well, now's a joining when they all come together. All these people that God sent away and confused them for not following his command. He brought all, just look, picture them all coming back and all being able to understand. Whether they're the ones saying it or being able to understand it, but God's word was clear. The prophecy of God was being proclaimed. His word, his righteous word was being proclaimed to everybody out there. And so all this was going on. It had to be just this, this amazing time. So I believe even then people were running around saying, well, I got this gift and I got that gift. And then Paul has to then start to clarify on this. He starts to have to start saying, well, if this is so, this should be the way it is. Let's, let's see what, what some of what Paul says. And by the way, and I, I found in my reading of this, because this is a tough, this is kind of a tough scripture to read because everything that's going on, I mean, dead people getting out of the grave and, and uh, the tongues of fire coming down on people and all this stuff going on. But I just tried to explain the excitement of the miracle, what was going on, and now it has to be interpreted for me to understand it. And it's just amazing how, how the Bible is so complex and complicated that the most educated people with the highest IQ will just have debates and struggle over it. And then the people with not so smart can understand it. It's the simpleness of a child that God wants to make it so simple for us. He don't want it to make us confusing to us. 
So, what does Paul say? Chapter 14, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, especially prophesying. You, you may pursue these spiritual gifts. And, and I think that's why maybe at a young age that people begin to teach people how to speak in tongues. Here, this is what you need to do. We need to teach you how to do this. We need to teach you how to perform these miracles. You know, say a prayer, then ask you, are you feeling better? Are you feeling just a little bit better? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, my arm's feeling a little better. And they're like, oh, okay, well let me pray again for you. No, a miracle was a complete healing. It was a complete miracle. So, for one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So now, when I was reading in Acts, the first part, it was clearly in their own languages. That was clearly clear in everything else. But now Paul is saying here that if one's speaking, like, not words, if I'm meditating, if I'm hemming, or I'm humming, or whatever I'm doing, I'm, I'm speaking to God, uh, I, I can meditate that way and, and think about the Lord. And, and I'm just speaking to him. It's, it's not meant for Logan or Al or anybody to hear because why is it not meant for them? Well, because they don't know what I'm saying. And matter of fact, maybe I don't even know what I'm saying because sometimes the Holy Spirit makes intercession on my behalf. Uh, you know, I'll give you that. That happens. That takes place. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification and exhortation and encouragement. So, there's supposed to be a purpose for this. What's the purpose for edification, exhortation, and encouragement? Can, can, can you feel edified? Can you feel exhorted? Can you feel encouraged if you can't understand what somebody's saying? But I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. I don't know, what's he saying? That he wished that everybody could continually speak, break the, uh, the Babel, the, the curse of Babel, and everybody continue to speak God's word in all languages at all times? Wouldn't that be wonderful if I could go to China and, and speak Chinese, and if I could go to Latin and speak Latin, and if I can go there and continue with God's word? Well, that would be a wonderful thing. Paul said, I wish you, I wish you could do that. That would be great. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he translates, so that the church may receive edification. There has to be a translation there. But now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to, your, to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge, or of prophecy, or of teaching? What's it going to benefit me? If I can't stand here and say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, all things came into being through Him. Apart from Him, nothing came into being. He was the light and life of the world, but the darkness could not overcome. Was that clear? Was that, was, was that edifying? Was that clear? Did you just... Did, did, when, it, when it says, we're saved by faith, by faith, by grace alone, not by our own works, for no man can boast. Is that clear? Did I have to add merit to that? Was there some types of works I had to do to that? You know, when I had my faith, when I was justified, and I had my faith and saved, and all of a sudden I, I, I lose it, and I have to begin to work for it? 
That's, that seems unclear to me. It wants, he wants us to be clear. He don't want to confuse us. Well, he don't want to confuse his. Because it seems that when he's getting ready to pronounce wrath on somebody, he puts them into a state of confusion. Well, what do you mean, John? Well, when you legislate laws against God, then you then elect someone in your cabinet that thinks he's a woman, and he's a man, and he thinks he's a woman, and you put him in charge of the health. And, uh, and, and, and that is confusion. There, there is no doubt about it, that's confusion. More confusion? When your child goes to school and they tell him he's a, he's a beautiful little boy that God made, and he goes to school, and they tell him it's a girl, and he, he, he needs to have this operation to change him. Is that not confusion? Should we not be concerned in this country that God has turned us over to confusion? Well, let the clarity of God's word speak to your heart. Today, repent, he says. And, and it, it, it also says here in the last on Pentecost, he tells, Peter tells them to repent of your sins. Acknowledge your sins. Repent. Be baptized. Believe in the name of Jesus. Believe in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Be saved. Have your salvation. What a glorious thing. It's so clear. Not confusing. Six, but now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will it profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? Yet even lifeless things, either a flute or a harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or the harp? What, what, that's verse 7. What is he saying here? If someone's saying something that you can't understand, it's just like a song being played out of tune. It's worthless. It does no good. For if a trumpet produces an in, in the, the sound, who will prepare himself for battle? Verse 9, he says, so also you, unless you utter by the tongue a word that is clear. Now this, this should clarify what tongues mean. A clear language, he's saying. So you, because he, he, he has people running around back then tell, saying the same thing they're saying today. And he says, unless you utter by the tongue a word that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken for you? Will you be speaking into the air? He just be saying nothing up and no one can understand it. Verse twelve. So also you, since you are a are zealous for spiritual gifts, you know you're all excited and seeking these spiritual gifts. Seek to abound for the edification of the church. It has to edify the church. It has to be educating. They have to hear it and understand it. Verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. See, God is not, he didn't pronounce tongues to confuse people that we see here. What? So let's not look, look at this and run down a road that we need to think. When, when I was reading here, of, of talking about these practices of people, there always seems to be Oh, I think it's in, it's in John, 1 John. The Gnostics, 
you know, the, the people that believe that by knowledge you can obtain uh, your salvation or blessings or something from God through knowledge. You just keep gaining more knowledge and more knowledge. And they always have, these people, by the way, they always have the knowledge that you need. Okay? Uh, there seems to be, and then they're going to get in your pockets or your pants one way or another. Uh, they're after something. And, and it ain't to fill you with the Spirit. Okay? So what, what don't we want to overlook here? We don't want to overlook the fact that this point in history was an absolute miracle that take, had taken place. Uh, our focus should be on that. Our focus should be on the men that he chose that there again, just like the Israelites, that he, he did not choose them people of their righteousness, of their stature, or anything other reason than that. He chooses his because he, cho- he decides to choose he chooses. Who are we to call the, 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 the clay to call the potter or tell the potter what to do? But we are to stand out as an example and proclaim his words. How does it get from the Galileans all the way till now, these 12, 12 men, to this point where we're at today, being filled with the Spirit, and oftentimes it's, one will say it's we, you don't have a, a, a confidence in the spirit. Oh, I have, I have all the confidence in the world for the spirit. The, the this the spirit saved my soul. It gives me confidence to walk in this troubled world. I can stop and rest on the Lord, and know that He's Lord. Uh, that and 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 what's taking place? The souls that have been saved by hearing the truth of God's word from that point until now. Because when he gave that command to go, therefore, all nations proclaiming the gospel, that's what's been taking place. There has been a true gospel message that has been preached since that time. And there's also been a lot of uh, confusion that God will will, uh, turn you over to a reprobate mind. He'll... uh, He'll turn you over to a state of confusion, but also know that Satan himself works best with uh, truths and half lies. And uh, but he's not winning. He's he's been bound. Uh, Jesus is going to come back, and he's he's going to defeat his last enemy, which was death for us. That that's that's beloved. When we're going to have a glorified body. Uh, have confidence in your Lord. You know, the Israelites, they didn't have confidence when they, when they stood at that mountain. And they said, what, is the God taking us out of Egypt to turn us over to these people that are twice our size? There's seven nations we've got to go conquer. We are few. And they said, well, let's, they, they turn back. Don't turn back, beloved. God has given you a power that's greater than the power in the whole world. He put the Holy Spirit inside you. Is that not power? The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is inside of you. And what is that power to be used for? To show my miracle gifts? To collect money from people? Or is it to walk with boldness through all the nations proclaiming the truth of his word? Not to fear. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me and you all the days of your life. It, it does not matter what happens to our physical bodies. God has already promised us we're going to have a glorified body and it's about advancing his kingdom one soul at a time. And I could see back then at that conversion point, the Holy Spirit having to come upon thousands of people all at once. Well, I believe now, beloved, I believe it could happen again if God so chooses it. But right now, we all, it seems like we, we all are born in opposition to God. We all grow through life and we're called and drawn by the Spirit. And it just seems like it's one soul at a time. I, I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't know, I haven't heard the messages. Uh, you know, I've seen Billy Graham do his messages and they all come up to the front, but how many actual true conversion was there, you know? And I, I believe as just life comes on, that it comes upon each person individually, the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not like that, that miracle event where just the big rush of that power, just the extreme power had to be just... I don't think they had words. When they said the dove descended down, when, he, when, Jesus, when God says, this is my son who I'm proud of, when John was baptized, it says a dove ascended on them. Was it, was it a dove or was it, it's like saying words like it was of, like, like a dove, you know? I think sometimes it's hard to put in words uh, when a miracle of God and the power of it. So we should just feel relief, beloved, if you have God's word in your heart. And uh, I just ask all for, for everybody to uh, pray, uh, pray to God uh, to change the hearts and minds of the people that are in the positions in, in, in our country. And uh, he's changing the hearts and minds of countries someplace, and even here. People are they're changed. Uh, he's winning the battle. Uh, but let's not be like the Israelites and, and, and not put our faith and trust in God like he's turning us over to be defeated. He's turning you over to be beat up. He, he, he hasn't, beloved. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you the words to say. He's going to give you the strength to do it. Let, let's not shrink back with our duties of speaking the boldness of Christ to those around us about these hot point issues. Uh, whoever told you that uh, there's a separation between church and states. There's a separation between the federal government and each state individually. Each state had the right to choose how they believe. Uh, South Carolina was a state. When they formed their constitution in 1776, they formed their state constitution, and they said they believed that they was a state of Protestant believers, and their constitution was formed around that basis of Protestants. And that guy who pinned that constitution went, and he went to, to pin the national, the federal constitution. And do you think before the ink dried on his paper that he went and he did the federal constitution to put it in opposition with his state constitution to say that there should be a separation? No, absolutely not. He said, federal government, you have no business in our state's constitution. We are a Protestant we proclaim a Protestant, not Catholic, not all this other business, but a Protestant religion. Very specific. Reformed theology of the Puritans. Let's read some of their books. What did they believe? Let's read the Bible. It's what, that's what they read. They read the Bible and they interpreted it. It's not confusing. If you ask God 
And let's just ask him right now as I close. Let's just ask him in a prayer. As it says in James, he, he tells us, he, he, God tells us, and this is a promise, and, and from the bottom of our hearts, and I'll, I'll say this, since I've been walking with the Lord, and, and I had to humble myself and acknowledge when I'm wrong, when I sit down with a brother, and there's a disagreement on God's word, it troubles me deeply. It troubles me to my core. Well, why, John? Because you always got to be right? No. I've been wrong most of my life. I haven't been right until I got into God's word. I, I, I say because we're supposed to be of unity, of like minds in one body. And how can we achieve that? Well, by reading. But first and foremost, what we need to do is we need to go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, with mercy and grace, the same God that led the people out of Israel, from Egypt out of Israel, and gave them the land, the same God that led our forefathers to this country to establish a nation under a Protestant religion, a belief in the Holy Bible, in, in grace alone, in faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone for all things. To that God, we pray today. We pray for the forgiveness of our sins. We repent of our sins. And we repent for the sins of our nation. For the abominations that we've committed against you, God. And Father, we pray for all those, all your believers, all of your chosen people. We pray right now that they ask God for wisdom. Father, God, I ask for wisdom. Father, I ask for the wisdom that you tell me in James and that you will give it to, to us abundantly, Father. And what is that wisdom? To understand God's word, to be able to share God's word, to be able to love the mission field. That's the wisdom that comes out of that. And I pray for myself too, Father. Help me have a greater and a better understanding, Father. And Father, it just comforts my soul when I have distressful situations to say that we can all say, at like the, the Psalm of 23, at the end of it, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. Amen.